Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot bike with Honey Withrow underway on this Thursday edition. We're glad you're with us. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can find us live. And on demand, plus our YouTube page, just search out Outkick for all things Hot Mike and other shows. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, hun. That one startled me for some reason. Normally, I'm ready for you to come off the oh, top yeah? rope with that audio, but it's time. sitting here getting ready for the show, and you came right in, loud, proud, ready to go. It got me going. Got the juices flowing a little bit. Armando Salguero coming on the yeah. show. We're always uh, pumped about that. Um, and, well, we've got plenty to discuss, including... Harbaugh and coaching searches uh, across the NFL that are concluding and and much more. Chad, so uh, they say we want a super conference in college football. Nielsen ratings since 2016. Uh, there's a, a tweet that came out from Tony Altimore. Highly concentrated college football viewership. The, the super conference is really... A concentrated conference, if you look at the money and where it's going to go for eyeballs and viewership. 50% of football viewership comes from just 18 programs. 18 teams from 2016 to this past college football season. That is crazy to me. Now, I also put in perspective that Alabama is on national TV at 2.30 Central on CBS throughout that television agreement practically every week. It feels like every week. Michigan is going to be on Fox at the big noon kickoff a lot. So is Ohio State. Tennessee, SC, Oregon, they're going to be the prominent programs that are going to fill some slots on ESPN. But 18? That is remarkable considering... Everyone's thought they were headed to this super conference of 60-plus whenever it's all said and done. The national viewership really tunes into a very small group of programs, and the graphic will show that's where the money is going to come from. And I also think NIL, I think television money, and much more. These 18 that we're about to show you again, that's where the money is funneled through. That's crazy. Did, did the 18 surprise you? Yeah, there are some surprises in here for me. Let, let's kind of go through them. First off, this is not some small sample size. This is not no, cherry not. picking. This is 2016 to 2023. Okay, so let's look at a number of these programs. Washington has not been that good for that entire time. Tennessee has certainly not been very good for a good chunk of that time also. So you can't just go in and say, Texas, another one, who was bad for a stretch during this. Auburn. Another one I can point to. You can't just go in and say, oh, of course, it's the 18 best teams over the last three years if you decided to use that metric and just look at a a small sample size. It's a large sample size. Shout out to the West Coast teams because Hutton's right in that some of these schools naturally have an East, uh, East Coast time zone or a Central time zone natural shoe in for a big window of television viewership on Saturdays. That's not Oregon. That's not Washington. That's not USC, typically. So shout out to those schools on the West Coast. That's what jumps out to me first. Tennessee is another one that it doesn't surprise me that they're in the top 18, but when you look at where they were, and I know two years ago when they had that 11-2 and season, I think they were the most watched or second most watched team in the country that year given the huge games they were playing and that one enormous game against Alabama where the entire nation tuned in for the end of that one. Wisconsin, another one that would surprise some a little bit to see their name on there. Yep. But outside of that, Hutton, not a lot of big surprises. And if we showed people, which we are right now, this group and said, here's your Super League, but you got to get a national champion out of this, I don't like an 18-team winner being crowned a national champion. But if you gave me these 18 and you allowed this Super League to decide another 12, 
to get to 30 or 14 to get to 32 like the NFL? What would the NFL of college football look like? Who would they decide to allow in to the party on that one? There'd be some Big Ten schools in there. There'd be some more SEC schools in there. But this is sort of the process of natural selection we've always talked about. It's not as easy as, and I've brought this up and people get pissed off. Don't care. Wake Forest, Vanderbilt, schools like that, Mississippi State, you may not belong in whatever the future of college football holds. Just because you have a ticket to a major conference right now, Northwestern, just because you have that doesn't mean you're going to get that in perpetuity with whatever's to come next. So if these 18 schools, we all acknowledge, follow the money, follow the viewership numbers, follow the television money, the ratings, this is where it lies. These 18. If these 18 are allowed to pick 14 more schools to join their super conference, who are they letting in? Who offers them any value? You could probably go down to the next 14 on the list after that in terms of television eyeballs. But I've it, got it's some an interesting think piece to look at this. The program's just on the outside, just from this year, just from this past season. Uh, it, Ole Miss, just, uh, just in terms of the average rating from when they're on television. Ole Miss, Miami, Duke, Nebraska, Utah, Navy, Oregon State, Louisville. Then Washington State, followed by Kentucky and Mississippi State. I like the idea if you were to have a Super League that it should feature Navy and Army, or at least one of the two, Chad, to have I, a service academy as a part of it. There are only two ACC teams I've mentioned, and I'm down to number 32. Yeah. Uh, let me also throw this in there. Nebraska should be a part of this. They should. It's an institutional part of college football that does still have a ton of fans, and it's right smack dab in the middle of the country. Well, this is... To me, this is a reflection, if you look at the 18, this is a reflection of the focus of the college football playoff. And with the expansion to the 12, I think we'll see more of the concentration. Uh, it, it, will, it will spread out a bit more because the networks are going to feature more teams in big games, big moments, especially in the back half of the season uh, that will be in the middle of the top 25 trying to make their way in. Um, most of these programs, I mean, once you settle in, and if you lose a game, you're kind of forgotten about. You know, we thought, what, you've got LSU, Florida State that was supposed to be for a spot. The loser was going to be out of the college football playoff this year. And, well, both were. But point being, like, you just kind of, it's, you're eliminated from the contention of where, where are you in the pecking order? And then it's just the... The, the power group at the very top where Clemson and, and Alabama dominated. Then LSU jumped into the mix with Burrow during this time frame, Chad. And then you end up with Georgia, who is, I mean, they're in the prime spot every week practically, and they're boat racing a lot of those games. But the matchups are the matchups, and these teams are so dominant that it's top heavy even in this top 18. 50%. And you can see what the networks are, are really battling over. It's the SEC, the Big Ten, and then Notre Dame. I also, I look at Georgia. They're dominant right now, but even if Georgia was mediocre, they'd still be on this list. You know, there's some that's sort of like Florida re now. recession-proof. Tennessee. You know, Tennessee up until two years ago would be another one that yeah. it's, it's a bit recession-proof in that even when they're not good, people like to celebrate their misery. And those fans of those schools are always going to watch regardless. So but they're also, those numbers are going to be But there. they're also going to be in the prime spot when they play Georgia and Bama, even when they're down, or Florida, uh, or LSU. Well, and, uh, you know, NFL is the ultimate example of recession-proof television programming. It really doesn't matter. You put something NFL on, people are going to watch it. Yep. I think about college programs that are recession-proof in terms of eyeballs. It's those programs, I'd put Notre Dame in this category that even when they're bad, people watch because there are, they've got an enormous Catholic church following loyalty across the country and even across the world. And then those that – there's not many people who don't have an opinion on Notre Dame. Either you're all in or you don't like them and you're rooting against them, so you're watching on Saturdays to root against them. People don't like Tennessee fans is another example because of Shiano Sunday and the way people perceive that was handled and a lot of different reasons. I look at these numbers, too, Hutton, and these teams, and I think to myself, you know, fans still matter. It's not yep. just television time slot. 
It's not just winning and losing. Fan bases matter. When you look at these 18 programs up there, I can point to every single one and say they have an engaged, large social media following. Their fans go all in on attacking other fan bases, on supporting and defending their own team. And every single one almost has a sort of vibe to it. I don't look at any of these programs and think, I don't know what they are exactly. I look at all of them and think, yeah, they've got a huge fan base and enormous following. Again, if I'm going to my biggest surprise in this list, it's probably Washington, quite frankly, that, that made this cut because the West Coast and because it, it's Washington, but we just saw what they were able to accomplish this past season. Well, but then you have Washington, who's, who's coveted by the Big Ten. Yeah. You know, that, that's what the glaring thing. It's SEC and Big Ten. Well, and it's in a major media market it, well, in Seattle. And, I mean, but also look at the money that's being devoted to those two conferences for the television rights. Now think about what collective bargaining agreement could be struck between those 18. So think about yes. what the Big Ten is yeah. getting and what the SEC is getting. Think about what the Pac-12 couldn't get that forced their conference to dissolve. Now put those 18 teams together and imagine what they could get done with Apple, with Prime Video, with Netflix that now with the WWE announcement yep. is in the live sports game. How much money could that could they get from separate? Could you get a let, let's say they had a group deal with Netflix, Apple, and ESPN to cover every single thing, football and basketball, for those eighteen teams and break away. How much money could they make collectively? As much as they want. And this is this goes back to the old conference every conference dissolving type deal. It's not about what's best for the fan. I don't think that's what's best for the fan. I like it the way it is. I think most people enjoy it to be more regionally based, yeah. and they like things the way that it is. But it's not about us as fans. It's about athletic directors, school presidents, looking around and saying to themselves, boy, if we join forces on this side, we could make three, four times more than we are right now. And money talks, and, and that's what we want. I fear this with the NFL a bit if it eventually goes away from broadcast television. I, I don't think going exclusively to streamers is a, a great fan service move, but it's a great monetary move because tech companies have all the money and they can spend the money and they're willing to spend it for major sports. So while it's going to be good for the bottom line, I don't think these things are great for the fans. Well, but this is a fun hypothetical to throw out of what this league would look like and maybe what the future of college football might actually look like. See, I think the, the, the streaming services are absolutely going to dive in to try to get a, a hand, a, a fistful of what is going to be the college football playoff and the, the rights agreements that will be up in two years. I think the NFL is always going to have programming on the networks. What they want, though, is... They, I hope you're right. Well, they, they're going to have less, but you're always going to scatter. They want to own everything. If you really think about where they are on the networks and the games that they, I mean, they're, where they're spreading out the games to uh, Black Friday game, international games now, uh, that's, all, that's absolutely going to expand. I mean, if, if they want, they'll just add more inventory. We're at 18, they'll just go to 20. They'll go to 20 games, uh, 20 weeks. I mean, that's, they will continue to add as they add more media partners. And I think there's something to watch with this new deal between the NFL and ESPN, where you have ESPN, who is currently paying $2.7 billion per season to the National Football League. They're doing that, and they are being rewarded in a massive way. The games that every network coveted, ESPN and Monday Night Football, ended up with those matchups this year. They had the Rodgers game for his debut. And they had a big matchup. I believe Kansas City and Buffalo was the other one. If not, it will be uh, certainly a, a KC matchup. They had first rights in their request granted by the NFL when the schedule release came out. If you rewind about 10 years, the NFL wasn't big on ESPN. They were in the doghouse because... They were aggressively reporting on the league. They also had a Monday night football program that was not anything close to what it is now. 
The NFL has long loved, loved Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Love the, they love that pairing. Disney, ABC, ESPN go out, they hire them. They bring them in for Monday Night Football for, for, that, for that slot, for the brand. And then they add in with the new 11-year agreement where the NFL is going to make in their new television rights that started this past season $110 billion over this time frame. They add in $2.7 billion from ESPN to get more inventory. Over 20 games broadcast. And I'll get to how they're doing that in a moment. But they're testing the market right in front of us. Because they're also now going to be in, in bed with ESPN and the, the streamers that will be moving forward for their, their app. For NFL.com, for NFL Media, NFL Network. It's all going to be a property that is going to be focused and, and, and run through the worldwide leader. Chad, $2.7 billion. They had a wild card matchup on Monday night this year. They're going to add a divisional round matchup next year. So they're adding more playoff games there. And as a part of this agreement, ESPN will also, for the first time, have the Super Bowl rights. That's coming up in 2027 and again in 2031. The timing of this is not just random because what ESPN wants is a direct-to-consumer option for their programming where you have an app, you, have, you, you buy in just like you would buy into Netflix. You're going to buy in and it's straight to you. They're, do, they're trying to get away from their current model. The NFL knows that. And if you have to have the direct-to-consumer model, you want to get that up and running and you want access to it well before you have the Super Bowl rights which is coming up in 2027. They're also adding and trying to figure out the habits of the average fan and how we view Monday Night Football. That's why last year they staggered the kickoffs a bit on Monday night when they did the doubleheader, ABC, ESPN. This year, they kicked them off at the same time. They're just testing. They just want to see what the habits were if you actually staggered the games versus having them in the same slot and you had options like you would on a Sunday afternoon. And they're doing all of this to build to what they're going to do. And who's to say that we won't see a paid option for a Super Bowl? Or you have a paid option for more access to coverage of that game or a playoff game. We're already seeing that on Peacock. 23 million viewers on Peacock this year for a wildcard matchup. Exclusive to the streaming service. ESPN is going to do that too. And... Just, you know, hit the pause button if you think, oh, it's crazy. Everyone's buying into it. And the NFL's trying to buy in to have someone run their NFL media side. And then there's this little nugget from Front Office Sports that they put out about October and November of last year. ESPN's also interested in partnering with another dis distribution service like Apple. They, they mentioned Verizon, Apple, and Amazon. Looking at that, consider how the NFL's already partners there with all three of those massive media companies in some way, shape, or form. This is just the beginning, and I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear the meetings about what the NFL's planning because the NFL is running practically every network. They get what they want, and what they want is just more money. This is how they're going after it. They're going to have more programming. And then they've got the inventory to do it because, well, we continue to watch literally anything they put out. I pray that whatever decision they make, they actually do consider the fan in it and, and what's best and what's most agreeable to them, what's most easy to access, all those things. Um, I'm not naive. I, I know that money drives the ship on all of this. And I know that the NFL is right now, they've got multiple probably Ivy League educated mathematicians in their headquarters up in Manhattan trying to figure out the exact price point for which the 50 million people that watch an NFL playoff game over this past weekend, those people could pay for yep. a monthly subscription to get the NFL. And that's the only way you can get it and view it. They're, they're looking at things like that. Because they're already paid for something. If you can pay a something. certain amount and get one team and then pay a certain more and get every team – or pay a certain amount and get what was once deemed a nationally televised game that's now just the biggest game in every window, how much would the average American consumer 
that even if they're not a huge sports fan, we know they consume the NFL yep. and they watch how much would they spend. And you've got to weigh that, though, versus, man, when you do that and you take things off broadcast television and networks where there are still people who rely on a network for local news or a network to watch Sunday night football or to watch the CBS or Fox game of the week, when you take that away from people, there is a cost to it. Yep. And I know the cost that they're thinking about is just dollars, but I think there's a human cost to that also of people that might back away from it. Now, they're going to find probably that doing this, even if you lose some fans and it's not really serving the fan well, they're still going to make a lot more money doing it. They're going to increase profits two, threefold. So if that's the case, they'll end up doing it regardless of what we think. All that I would implore any league to do is to before you just look at a spreadsheet and you see black or red on that, factor in what's going to help the fan and what's going to engage the fans and what's going to keep more fans there. We saw it with a Peacock game. A lot of people didn't care. They're like, I'm fine with that for one playoff game, having to pay to stream that game and have a subscription. I'm, I'm okay with it. I think if you do it the right way and you combine all different entities, there is a way to make this happen where you get a lot of different people involved and you can continue to rake in the money. Do you ever get to a point, though, where you have to pull it back and say, I know we can make X amount more, but we just can't do this. We can't go this route. Because one thing we do know about the NFL, Hutton, they love having everyone involved, right? I know they're about to get more hot and heavy with ESPN, and all of this, but so far they like, like to spread the wealth and they're, that they're getting to do that. and making sure that every network out there, streamers that are really anxious to be a part of it, everyone that has the money and has the motivation, they want them involved in the NFL. Yes, and what they're doing, they will just create more content that you will then that they're going to partner with to to own. I think they're what they want to do is own the international games. And if you think about it, NFL Network had exclusive broadcast of that this season. And now that's ESPN that will be running that moving forward, starting in 2025. That's also the year where they want the direct-to-consumer product. And keep in mind this, that the local markets for their teams have the games on broadcast. They, they have the games on the local networks, free TV, so you're, you're paying for something to watch it, whether you, you don't want to pay for the NFL product or not. Um, it's still available for local markets and viewers. Like here in Nashville, when the game's on Amazon Prime for Thursday night, you could see that locally on one of the, show, one of the stations here. Um, they'll continue to do that. But as for the national audience, they're going to try to expand and get a bigger piece of the pie and create more content. And I think it's the international games... And who knows what they're doing uh, with uh, potentially expanding the regular season because they've done it once. And based on the CBA, I mean, the players get a portion of this. The players get 49.5% of this. So they're going to be all for it too because the money continues to go up. Clay brought up something interesting yesterday when he joined us about the possibility of these tech companies swallowing up the networks and swallowing up those parent companies that currently own the network also and then what that would mean for the future of streaming. Hutton, you've done a lot more work in local television than I've done. I know there are FCC protections against a lot of things, right? Like you have to have, just like on radio, you have to have an emergency broadcast system. Mm -hmm. You have to have certain things that are accessible to everyone on both television and radio. So even if Apple, let's say, let's say Apple owns NBC all of a sudden and some merger or whatever. Apple could make it very inconvenient for those that are just watching broadcast television by moving all of the best product to their streaming service and making people pay for that streaming service monthly. But there still has to be something on broadcast television. So would they remove the NFL game from that? You know, they'd have to keep a local news element, I'm sure, on those broadcast networks also. What does the future of that look like? We've already seen entertainment on network TV. I mean, it's, I don't watch any of it. Uh, everything I watch show-wise right. is on a streaming service. Now, my parents might watch one of the seven NCIS shows that are still out there, or FBI Las Vegas or whatever's right. on CBS or the networks, but I, I don't know many people who watch those shows anymore. It's just different. I mean, look at the Emmy Awards. 
and where all the Emmys come from. I remember back in the day when it was Seinfeld, Frasier. You knew the comedy category every year because it was one of the networks that had a comedy, yep, yep. and they were going to get nominated, and, and that was it. You don't see any of that anymore on, on network television. So how does that – what's the metamorphosis of that if an Apple, if an Amazon come in and they buy suddenly all of those, those networks well, up? You know, it's regulated differently. You know, and then through if, the internet. at what point do we get to a regulation where it's not about having the ability to have bunny years and to go to a you know channel two, four, or five to see if there's a national emergency versus you have to have Wi-Fi in every home in America and on every street corner because you have to have access to the internet to know anything that's going on. But in some cases, when do we completely cross took, over into that world? Took, Have we already crossed over it there? It took the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers to get a deal done between a local cable company and a network. Yeah. This past season, like it, you would still need the internet to watch that game. If not for the NFL or not even watch the game, watch any program. Cause you didn't have access to the, was it ABC? Yeah, it was. Cause it was Monday night football. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't have access to it anyway based on the negotiations that are going on. Well, and look, I, I know technology is improving and all of that. It's still far more reliable to turn on my television and watch a game as opposed to going to a streaming service. It, might, it may stall. It may buffer from time to time. It may just outright not work when I go to it occasionally for five, ten minutes based on my in-home Wi-Fi or something else going on. They're going to find ways to fine-tune that, I know, but there's just – look – one, once we answer a question about what the future holds and we start to get an outlook about well, we can have this discussion for the next four hours about what's going to happen. And we can put these little placeholders about, well, here's the next thing. Then here's the thing after that. Yeah. Then here's who comes in and buys it. But every time we get to one of those dots on the map, it raises another big question to me that then, okay, well, now we have this. How do you handle this? How do you take care of this demographic? How do you look into that? It's, it's a ton of questions. Money's going to drive the ship. We all know that. But it leaves me scratching my head and asking the question, are we considering the fans in all of this? And I, and I hope someone is. I hope someone out there is considering the fans. The networks. That's why they're paying. The live television aspect or the live streaming aspect of the NFL fans and the, the fact that it's just the NFL and college football. For, that, for the, the massive audiences that we're talking about. And, and it's the I NFL. hope there's always a component of that, is my point. That whoever owns the network, whether it be a tech giant or major production company, whatever, I hope that there is some thought of sports is not broken. It's great the way it is right now. I love turning to a network and watching the biggest broadcast teams call the biggest games in, in an area I know where if I'm on vacation somewhere, I can find it easily. And I can get it anywhere. I can go to the sports bar and get it. I know where it's going to be. There's value in well, that. I think that. And I hope everyone holds on to that. But I, I don't think that you won't be able to find access to it. It's just to the product. Uh, because, again, I think you'll have the local markets be able to carry their your, your, your favorite team's game. Um, but they're going to spread it out more. You know, you've got the, the local broadcast on CBS. You've got, what, uh, roughly six or seven games whenever the season kicks off that they spread out to the local markets. They'll spread that out even more to have just direct-to-consumer access only. No, and, and I get that. The, I think the I, local so I, fan, I think, is going to be serviced in that. But, see, I like, I like being able to turn the TV on. I also like being able to pick up my phone and hit an app and go. Yeah, I like both. And I don't have to have internet to do that. I, I can I like, stream it through my phone. I'm with you. I like both. But I'll, I'll say this. What was it, 23 million people? Yeah. That watched on Peacock? Yes. It's a lot of people. Yes, it is. How many people watch if it's on NBC? I'm going to argue 29 or 30. Now, you're going to say, okay, great. That's six, seven million people. And it's the first that year did not, that That's six, it. seven million households that did not watch it, that either could not watch it or couldn't find it. My parents' household is one of them. I get texts from them right before, the, oh, this game's on Peacock. We can't watch but how many? And would, they're not going to figure it out. How many viewers would they had five years ago doing this? Less than 23. It's only no, going to no, continue no doubt, to go up. But what I'm saying is it's going to go up, but you're still going to sacrifice a number of people that aren't going to get it. Like Even if it goes up to 30 next year, I would say because the NFL is growing, well, maybe there's 33 million that watch it on NBC. Well, that's 3 million people. So what does three million people matter to you when you're getting fifty million At to watch the game? It matters to the network. Again, I, I, look, I get it. I know what they're saying. No, they don't. I'm raising my hand and saying three million people should matter. 
Seven million people should matter. I'm guaranteeing you Chiefs-Dolphins Saturday night goes over 30 million viewers. Sure. If that game's on NBC. So I know what they're doing with that, but you're still sacrificing this was, a group of people that either wouldn't pay this was or Texans, they couldn't Browns, get Texans-Browns, though. This was not... You've got Texans-Browns as the first kickoff. Yeah. And then you put the Chiefs on there on, on Peacock. Why? Because of Taylor Swift and the whole effect that we had. Yeah, we no. We discussed that yesterday. They wanted that number to look massive. And 23 million is a... I was stunned by that. I And I, by the way, front office sports with their poll, I was really shocked by the fact that nearly 62, 63% said that they would be willing to pay to watch an NFL game regardless of who's playing. That's And even said they would be willing to pay to watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, look, again, I'm, I'm talking about the difference in numbers here. Browns-Texans, a far worse game. But so, far, far worse right. matchup than Chiefs-Dolphins right. in a freezer with Taylor Swift on. But Had 29 million viewers yes. on NBC. 23 million on Peacock. I know what the Peacock viewer represents, and that is the $9.99 a month or whatever it is. Five, yeah, $5.99 Per person up. that did it, right? Or, or whatever you paid the minimum amount. I'm simply saying you're still sacrificing people who can watch the game when you do that. It may not, they may not care ultimately about that. I, I like to raise questions on this show. I like to raise questions about everything. My simple question to the NFL and to NBC Universal and Peacock and everyone is, does that 6 million number matter to you? The 6 million that watched a worse game because it was on a network versus the 23 million with subscribers that watched on Peacock? I think we know our answer because they're going to keep doing it. Well, it's, It doesn't matter as much to them. So let me compare it. To, the NFL owners are going to continue to have the public pay for their stadiums. And in this case... Which is such a great deal for them. It's a great deal for these networks, too, because they have to have the five ninety nine to pay for the media rights to air these games. $110 billion is going to the league. ESPN and ABC, they're paying $2.7 billion per season for the next 11 years, and it started this year. They need the subscription, just like Peacock is doing that. They're trying to stay afloat. They're trying to turn a profit, and Netflix is the only one to do it. Netflix can end this by getting in the sports game, quite frankly, because they're the only one that's going to turn a profit because they're the only one that doesn't have the network that they're trying to also prop up through the subscription service. They're going to use the fan to help pay for the media rights that they're, they're, they're raking and, and, and just you know, shoving billions towards the league because that's the only thing that gets them the eyeballs necessary to pay for uh, what they're doing because they're also going to charge advertising. Advertising wants DVR-proof programming. The NFL is that. And they're trying to spread it out to have more money come in. While there's 6 million viewers on ABC or, or NBC Matter, uh, if you're going to have 23 that pay this price and it's only going to go up, they're going to continue to do that because those that aren't watching aren't subscribing and aren't helping you pay for the rights fees that they're way over the top with. And they're not turning a profit anyway. Yeah, they're still fans of your product, though. I mean, that's a sure. six million drop off that wanted to watch the game that couldn't for whatever reason. But those uh, is there is there a cost to that? I don't I don't know that there is for these. I networks. think eventually there would be, but I don't know if it matters based on the fact that they're having so many pay. I, I don't think monopolizing anything is good. They don't care about long, the in person product anymore. I don't think monopolize. Yeah, not in person for sure. I know, I'm not talking but about I'm saying like sales. it's just the. Well, that, I mean, the Bidwill family f- figured this out years ago with the Cardinals. They didn't have to sell a ticket, right. and they were making millions and billions. Well, they get five hundred million. So they don't they they stop caring about the fans. Oh, we what don't we? care if we lose because we're going to get a TV check from the league and revenue sharing, and we don't yeah. have to sell a single ticket, and we're going to make money. So do whatever you want as a fan, and they disrespect their fans that way. I'm not saying the NFL is disrespecting their fans to the Bidwill family level, but they are excommunicating some from that pie of watching the game. Here is where Monopoly and media, I think, helps the consumer, at least me. This is a personal example. Netflix has so much now, and they're getting so much more. I cut Disney+. Plus. Um, I cut Peacock. I cut, just yesterday, I cut NFL+. Plus. I just went through and looked at things I subscribed to for $9.99, $11.99 a month, and I'm thinking, Netflix has so much of what I watch right now and Paramount Plus is another one, Hulu's another one, that I don't need these other things. I'm already a Prime member with Amazon, so I get anything there. Where can you cut? Well, 
you're going to keep the thing that has the most. These tech companies and Netflix and Apple and Prime, well, the more they gather, the more you can cut elsewhere. So that's, that's why you want an exclusive game on Peacock. Would you have cut Peacock prior to the playoff game airing on Peacock? No. But that's why they want to air that exclusively on Peacock. They don't want people to unsubscribe. That's the other part of it, too. Yeah. Like you would wait to do it if you had a college football playoff game. You would wait to do it. Or you would subscribe during the holidays during a special offer or whatever. Again, like I think it's all just planned out to keep the subscriber and then add them. And once you add the subscriber, you keep them by and large, much like Netflix has done. They keep raising oh, yeah. the price and we... Again, all the programs. I'm looking at, I'm looking at a, a report right now. Peacock added 2.8 million subscribers ahead of Dolphins Chiefs. That's the single largest subscriber acquisition event the firm has ever tracked. Wow. And how many, like many do they retain? Is there a bigger one than that anywhere? Did Netflix have something that probably early on, maybe Netflix had a growth bigger than that? Was something maybe House of Cards and post that? Tiger King. They had a big one. Tiger King. The, the pandemic probably was a big boom for some streaming service also. It's a pretty large event. Yes, it is. I like how they phrase that. Largest acquisition event in network history. Now consider in, what, four years, ESPN has the Super Bowl for the first time. You know? I, I, Large event. I mean, again, if Peacock can do this for a playoff game, a wild card round, what's the, what's the large event consumer going to pay to sign up for an access to watch that game? If there is a pay-per-view Super Bowl, which is inevitable, they're going to give a lot of different options for how to view it, I think. I would yeah. think they're smart enough to do that. Similar to Peacock that had different Manning. tiers yeah, for it. You're right. Yeah. I don't think they're just going to say, you have to now pay nope. $19.99 a month to subscribe right. to ESPN no. direct-to-consumer to watch the but Super I, Bowl. I, I, take direct -to I think it'll be like a, you can pay $4.99 a month for three months, then it goes up. But you can just or, get it for 5 bucks. But ESPN, ESPN Plus also, they're offering direct-to-consumer uh, UFC pay-per-views. A one-off payment. Yeah. You know, you could also do it that way per game. Well, Netflix is going to have the rights to WrestleMania and all their big events too. Yep. In that, a pay-per-view And that's a blow to Peacock because they had the WWE Network currently. Chad um, Harbaugh, he's headed to the Chargers. And there is a, a great debate that I know annoys you when it comes yeah, to it's, uh, it's another inevitable. example here. It's inevitable. Anytime you have crossover with college guy goes to NFL, NFL guy goes to college, it brings everyone out of the woodwork that wants to argue passionately about one over the other and why, is, why one is so far superior and why the other is not. I like Peter Burns. He's, he's a buddy of ours. I don't necessarily disagree with this post on X that we're going to show you right now, but it's one of the examples of things that annoy me. He posts, Harbaugh chose, ch chose the smart but easy way out. Could have stayed to build upon the title. Could have stayed to fight allegations and own the NCAA. Could have stayed to fight for the players he said aren't compensated properly. He chose himself in the easy path. Understandable. I don't, I don't disagree with what he's saying, but the flip side of this is it's not exactly easy to go into Patrick Mahomes' division. I don't know that this is just a cakewalk for Jim Harbaugh either. He is going, and I'm a college football diehard, but Jim Harbaugh has chosen to go to the premier and elite of that sport to compete in a division against the two-time Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. There is a challenge involved in that. No one can blame Jim Harbaugh for taking more money to go do less work. I get it. I mean, that sounds honorable to say that. Hey, you could have chosen the hard way and stayed and fought for the guys you brought there, all that. There's not many people in America that would choose the route to say, you know what I want to do? I want to work year-round, every single day. I want to be on my phone nonstop with recruits, with NIL collectives, with everything else, and work less in football, but work more on my program to make less money instead of going somewhere where there is an off-season and you can make more money. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, yeah, he made the easy decision, but it, it's an easy decision for everyone. And until the NCAA and college football figures out NIL and how to properly navigate it, those college jobs aren't getting any easier. But here's the good news for college football coaches out there. You're making more money than you've ever made before. Assistant coaches are making more money than you've ever made before. And let me give you one bit of a positive in all of this with college football recruiting. 
Here's something the NIL has done for the transfer portal and recruiting. You can now go and recruit someone for about three days instead of three years. You have actually shortened the recruiting window because money is going to help a lot more now. You don't have to go as hard in high school recruiting and building relationship for years upon years. You can reset your roster like Lane Kiffin does at Ole Miss every single year, and it probably takes less time. So there's good and bad in both, but no one's going to blame Jim Harbaugh for taking more to do less. Well, I think uh, the, the easy way out would be to go back to Michigan and have immunity where they can't fire him with cause. That's what it would, that's what it would be. They would give that to him. Well, that's a, another good example of this is one area where college football, you have it a lot easier. You can suck and get a lot more money to walk away hey, uh, yeah. in buyouts. Yeah. So there's the good in college football. So again, it's not a no-brainer for everyone. Kirby Smart's not going to go to the NFL anytime soon. There are examples of guys who are going to stay where they are, and they've got great jobs. But all these guys are making a ton of money. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know who's not average? Armando Salguero. Armando Salguero joins us. Outkick.com. It's where you can find his great work covering the NFL. Armando, good to see you. Middling. I'm middling. Middling. I, I refer to you as ABA. Anything but average. That's my nickname for you, Armando. You are anything but average. Well above average. And that's why middling counts. I mean, I, that, you know, I would, yeah, whatever. If, it's, if it's middling good. is above average, then that's where you are. I'm just saying you're well above average. However you want to define well, thank it. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Harbaugh has been that in the NFL. We've seen him as a, a head coach. What Jim Harbaugh is the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers means what? It means that Justin Herbert finally has an adult in the room. It means that he finally has someone who has been there and done that. And I'm not just talking about uh, winning at a high level, which Harbaugh has done on both the NFL and the college level, obviously winning the national championship yeah. like five minutes ago and going to the Super Bowl against his brother once upon a time. But also he played the position. So Jim Harbaugh knows what Justin Herbert is going through, knows what he needs to do to get to a certain plateau, and knows that what he needs around him to do that as well. And so I'm thinking this is a good day for Justin Herbert, who on his own, basically, I shouldn't say on his own, but in the last four years, the guy has carried that franchise. And no, they don't have a winning record uh, with him doing that. But maybe with him doing that and the coach understanding and getting some defense around him, which they didn't have the last couple of years, maybe they could do something that's impressive. What is it about Jim Harbaugh? Because we know the record that he had with the 49ers. We also know that it went south in the end. And I'm asking you, Armando, from that NFL perspective, we know what he just did at Michigan, even though there was some rough sledding at one point. Is there just an it factor with Jim Harbaugh, is there a ton of offensive quarterback acumen with him as a head coach? What is it about Jim Harbaugh that makes him the guy? Well, to start with, in Los Angeles, he is accountable. Jim Harbaugh believes that the win-loss record is on the coach. I cannot tell you how many press conferences of Brandon Staley, I heard where he said things like, we did what was right. 
we didn't execute. And to me, that translates to, I, we called the right plays, we had the right strategy, the players didn't make it work. And it just drove me nuts when I would hear we didn't execute because execution is on, you know, obviously the, the players. Whereas Jim Harbaugh has said outright, look, the coach is judged by his win-loss record. It's on me. If, if we lose, it's on me. It's, it reflects on me. And so, and he's coming from a situation where it's a bad look to blame the 19-year-old, the 20-year-old for the failing of the 60-year-old and the 55-year-old. So I think that that is going to play well for the Los Angeles Chargers and directly in contrast to the last couple of years. Who is Atlanta going to hire as their next head coach? Who knows? I mean, they have no, there's been no rhyme or reason to their search. They've interviewed 14 guys, right? Um, Let me show you. So they've interviewed 14 guys, five of them defensive coordinators, five of them offensive coordinators, three former head coaches, one assistant head coach who's a defensive line coach. None of that tells you, hey, we have a a plan. We want to get a certain unit up to speed and then let the other unit, you know, be as good as it has been. Or we want experience in the spot or we want youth in the spot. To me, the Atlanta Falcons have multiple times hired an inexperienced head coach. And multiple times they've had to let that head coach grow into the position it seems to me that it would be time for them to hire someone who hits the ground running and knows what he's doing right away. And I'm stunned. I'm stunned that Mike Vrabel and, and Bill Belichick and guys like that are having to compete with, you know, the lesser lights, like, and I don't mean to call him a lesser light, but a hero Evero is going to get fired as the defensive coordinator of the Panthers, but he's had two interviews for the head coaching job of the Falcons. It's a great point. It's yeah. Bobby Slowick interviewed today, apparently. And crazy too. When you look at the Titans over the last four weeks, Armando, everything that's happened, Mike Vrabel, Al possibly didn't get what he was asking for. So he said, go ahead and fire me. And then they hire Brian Callahan, and along with that comes all these announcements. Rand Carthon is overseeing everything. They've also got a a vice president of football operations now who's overseeing some other things, and they announced Brian Callahan today, who had a great first press conference, great uh, initial uh, response to everything. Um, What does this tell you, though, overall about the organization and the direction now that Brian Callahan's the head coach? Yeah, you know that that wrestling meme where uh, I don't know if who it is that comes out walking like yeah, like Conor this. McGregor or or is it Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon well, or Conor McGregor, well, one of the two. Yeah, that's Rand Carthon right now <laughs> with the Tennessee Titans. It's pretty clear that uh, you know Amy Adams Strunk has decided Rand Carthon is my man. He's going to run the show if. Everyone, everyone says that there was no butting of heads with Mike Vrabel, but I don't think anyone would contend that there wasn't a power wrestling match within the Tennessee Titans and Vrabel lost. How did he phrase Vrabel it? Lost. How did Carthon phrase it today, Chad? About everyone's we're out, everyone's out he said, hunting. He said we're all hunting, hunting a championship and hunting good players. And he said it's different when you hunt at the same time as opposed to hunting together in a pack. And now we're hunting together from a coaching staff and front office standpoint. That's how he phrased. That's directly it. referencing what was and what is. Right. I took that as a direct yeah. reference to the previous regime no that doubt. had coach, no doubt, and what they're doing now. Um, We've got breaking news. Okay. I'm making sure that I am seeing this correctly, and it is the Adam Schefter with 10.7 million followers. It is. The Falcons have a head coach. It's Raheem Morris is the head coach now of the Atlanta Falcons. 
So let's run back through the list there of everyone that they talked to and everything done. But ultimately, Arthur Blank lands on Raheem Morris, a retread head coach, but someone, Armando, that I know a lot of people knew he was going to get another shot at some point. Eventually, yes. Is he better than Mike Vrabel? I, I don't think so. Is he better than Bill Belichick? I, I know so. I know that's not the case. Look, Raheem Morris is a very bright man, and he is an excellent coach, and I don't deny that he should be a head coach. Um, but was he the best of the bunch? That's the question. The Falcons think so. I don't think so. So let's speculate. A little bit here. Dave Canales now in Carolina. We can scoot right past that one and move on. Of what's left, I mean, are we going to be sitting here after this cycle and both Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel get shut out of a head coaching job? One of them is likely to. Um, To me, Belichick fits in Washington. Why? Well, they hired a general manager, uh, Adam Peters, and Adam Peters is, by all accounts, a very smart guy. Very, uh, He's worked his way up the ladder. Let me see. Where did Adam Peters begin his career? Hmm. It might have been in New England. How many Super Bowl championships have Adam Peters won? Two. Where did he win? New England. It makes sense to me that the guy that got his start in New England learned the game in New England under Bill Belichick might know a little something of what Bill Belichick intangibly brings to an organization. If there is a team that's going to hire Bill Belichick, that is the one that I think makes the most sense for doing so. And if if they don't, and they, you know, so far have shown no, no indication that they are, it, it tells you that, Bill Belichick probably isn't going to be coaching uh, as a head coach in the NFL in 2024, which is shocking, shocking. Armando Salguero with us. So Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes in the postseason, never count them out. Just ask Buffalo. Facing that Baltimore defense is a whole different animal, though. What are we what are you expecting between Kansas City and Baltimore for the AFC title? Well, uh, I'd like to see whether Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan because so far he has been. Yes. Uh, six seasons uh, as a starter in the NFL, six AFC championship games. And typically uh, the reason that they fail is not him. Right. And so uh, the, the Chiefs are a diminished team. They have offensive line injury. Uh, their wide receiver core is not what it has been in the past. Their defense is very good, as we've talked about. Ultimately, you're going to see a lot of Patrick Mahomes running around, trying to make off-script plays, trying to make something out of nothing. It was amazing last week. It's going to have to – the show's going to have to carry over to beat Baltimore. Baltimore is arguably the best team in the NFL, and they're at home and they're hungry, and they're well-coached, and Lamar Jackson has something to prove. That's a lot of things going on for Baltimore Ravens. And they got uh, Mark Andrews, and they they expect him back within the arsenal for Lamar Jackson. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo likes to blitz. He likes to bring the heat. I can't wait to see what what happens there with the the game plan against Lamar Jackson. It's a very interesting chess match. And uh, this is the Chiefs offense... I, don't, I didn't see this in the regular season. They're averaging nearly 27 points per game in the postseason all of a sudden. Now, different defense they're facing here with the Ravens. On the flip side, can Detroit go on the road and win this game against San Francisco? Chad and I are all absolutely. in. Good. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I talked with this uh, about this with uh, one Donovan McNabb yep. on the um, podcast known as the Five Spot on Outkick. And award-winning look the talent in San Francisco is inarguable, right? Everybody knows they've got great players, 
you know, two first round defensive ends in Bosa and Chase Young. They've got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, an all pro running back in, in McCarthy, um, McCaffrey, excuse me. Uh, the best linebacker in the NFL, Fred Warner. Well, you look at the, the roster that GM Brad Holmes has put together in Detroit. Um, let's see. Derek Barnes, a starter. Panay Sewell, a starter. Uh, McNeil, a starter. Arm, uh, St. Brown, a starter. That's the 2021 draft. 2022, Hutchinson, a starter. Kirby, a starter. Joseph, a starter. Jameson Williams, a starter. That's the 2022 draft. 2023 draft. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, awesome. Jack Campbell, a starter. Sam Laporta, a starter. Brian Branch, a starter. This team is loaded, and they're loaded in a great sort of way in that they're young, angry, hungry, and low-paid. <laughs> that team is going to be a while uh, around for a while. And they've already arrived. That pass rush for San Fran is the game to me. But I think they're going to, the game will come down to Jared Goff because San Fran's, I mean, I'm looking at their, they've allowed the second fewest rushing yards to running backs this season. They need, Detroit needs a big run game. They can run it. Offensive line is very good in Detroit. You mentioned the talent in San Fran. I, I can't wait. It, it, what is the perception of Brock Purdy? with a win or a loss? Look, I think Brock Purdy is playing with house money. If he loses, he's probably going to end up having to compete for his job next year at some point. Uh, not necessarily in that they're going to hire or, you know, or draft someone right. in the first round, but there will be likely, it depends on how he plays, right? Sure. I mean, if he throws for 250 yards, two touchdowns and one interception, but if he leads the game-winning drive, like he did last he, week. Well, if he does that, all good. Right. He's fine. Uh, it depends on what it looks like. It's not as clear as an L or a W for, for I don't think, for any of these quarterbacks that are playing this weekend. It's, it's yeah. it, you know, Lamar Jackson, if he loses the AFC championship game, is he a loser? after maybe doing the same thing he did last week with two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns, I don't think people are going to say that. No, but two years from now, we'll just look at the playoff record, right? Like it, that's what we always do. We'll just mention the, they're two and four, two and five now, whatever. It's uh, that's man, a, he can make his mark. get the win loss record, yeah, whether it's warranted do. or not on, on playoff wins. No, no doubt about it. Um, Armando, one job we haven't asked you about yet, Seattle. What type of situation is that in Seattle? How coveted of a job is that for someone? It's a good job. Um, they play in a tough division, obviously, with the NFC Championship going 49ers and the up-and-coming Rams and, you know, the little elf in Arizona at quarterback. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a solid division. Dan Quinn is supposedly the, the leader for that. I don't know if that works out or not. I know that Mike Vrabel kind of was angling for that job. I don't know if that's going to, to work out or not. Bottom line is there are no terrible NFL jobs, mm -hmm. gentlemen. You're going to get 7 to $8 million a year for four or five years. And, you know, there's a draft. You're in a league that's meant to do what? Oh, make the, the bad teams good and make the good teams mediocre. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a competitive league. And so uh, I, I do believe that the, that the when you're searching for a coach, you should be searching for an upgrade. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure that the New England Patriots have found one. I'm not sure that the Seattle uh, uh, Seahawks are going to find one. I don't believe that the Tennessee Titans found one. And I, it's just, I don't know. I understand now better why it is that the Dallas Cowboys kept their coach, why it is that the Philadelphia Eagles kept Nick Sirianni. I understand that better now because – 
you're not always guaranteed of an upgrade or an obvious upgrade. One of the uh, five candidates that are they're scheduled to come in for a second interview is Raheem Morris. He's now the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He was scheduled to be there tomorrow. Dan Quinn's there today. Patrick Graham, who's the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, is there later this weekend. Ajiro Avero, and then you have Mike Kafka. Those are the five after Dan Quinn. Um, I don't see Vrabel's name there. Just, again, interesting. Uh, Armando, look forward to the coverage for the conference championship games this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, to, to watch those and uh, plenty of news and notes coming out about that at OutKick. And there will be today as well, every day, uh, with all the coaching carousel news. Good to see you. Always a pleasure, man. Check out the five spot. Five spot's really good. Five spot with Armando Salguero and Donovan Ganab. Uh, Donovan's awesome. Armando does uh, great work there as well. It's available every Tuesday and Friday. Both Outkick. those guys com. will have coverage for you from the Super Bowl also. Let's break down some of the uh, news and notes uh, with Raheem Morris getting the, the Atlanta Falcons job. Uh, plus, Vince McMahon, another lawsuit headed his way. Next on Hot Mike. <laughs> 